0: I, I had an offer once to uh to work for shares in my spare time and I had mm-hmm. I had mentioned it to you guys, to you and John and both of you uh had just went, No no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> we we like the guy but but don't do that.
1: <laughs> and then uh and then that that guy went on to be a three millionaire and and uh Yeah. He has a private jet now. Sorry about that. Uh I mean we really didn't, didn't 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 see it coming <laughs> didn't see that one coming no it's that time of the week again and you're listening to episode 157 of php ugly the podcast your mother warns you about i'm your host eric van johnson and with me as always by my side thomas right hello hey thomas
0: how are you doing good how long does the music last
1: do you still hear it? Yeah. You don't see me so dancing. The stream, the stream shouldn't hear it. It's it's off on OBS. You're just hearing it because I don't know. I don't know why you're hearing it. Let me uh, <laughs> let me pause it. There we go. It's paused. Remind me and I'll turn it back on for the stream uh, later. I almost feel like we should just play it all the time in the background. Just a little 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 music back there, but yeah. Oh, hey, look, our uh, Discord updated live. Acts lively. So uh, if by chance any of our Discord people are listening, your Discord post should be posting, I guess. Um, I, uh, I noticed that Twitter... I, I, I jumped on Twitter, as I do before we start the show, and noticed, I guess, Twitter was down today. I saw that there was
0: some kind of issue with Twitter going on. Uh,
1: oh.
0: I don't really care, though, because I don't like Twitter a whole lot.
1: Oh, you, do, you don't? See, I like Twitter. I don't understand the whole, um, you know, the president had his little social media party thing today where he intentionally did not invite the big companies like Twitter, Facebook and Google, the ones that he says that are excluding him or excluding, um, white, uh, right wing. Here's what I found on the web. Hey, who asked you? (laughs) I don't, I don't know what all the hubbub is about. I, I, first thing, I mean, you know, him criticizing Twitter of all people, it's like, you are who you are today because of Twitter. Right. Like if Twitter wasn't around, you would not be the person you think you are today. But well, I, I, this so this
0: is partially in response to Twitter saying that because they effectively can't ban the president, then they're going to start fact-checking him in his own tweets so that when he says something that is outright incorrect, it mm-hmm. disclaims it on his Twitter handle.
1: Wait, Really, I never saw. I never saw this.
0: Yeah, so this is one of the many proposals for how to deal with a president who uh, doesn't agree with how facts
1: operate. Well, so time out, time out, time out. I, I'm definitely not a Trump fan by by any stretch of the imagination. But are they singling him out? I mean, I know a lot of other. Horrible dictators who they should probably be doing this to sure before I the, mean are, the are issue. They, are they intentionally are they intentionally singling him out or is this like a new quote unquote feature that they're introducing?
0: They're singling him out because he has essentially violated the terms of service repeatedly and people keep calling this is true. people keep calling I, I, for him to be removed from Twitter for violations of the terms of service. Mm-hmm. But Twitter would then be engaging in an enormously lengthy legal battle if they were to try and remove the president from Twitter. So they, they have Mm. to respond in some way for these high value or these high profile people who consistently violate the terms of service. Mm -mm. And yeah, it's, it's a mess, man. It's such a nightmare. So what,
1: what is, what is his gripe with? So I understand Facebook. And again, I think it's ironic that he pointed out Facebook because I felt that Facebook has been one of the social media streams that have been pointed to of saying, this is why we have a shitty president because these sort of uh, platforms can be manipulated and you're only seeing you know this and that. And Facebook was one of them. Because Facebook, you know, you have your quote-unquote friends and people you follow. But Facebook decides, you know, it curates what you see and how you see it. And Twitter, I've always felt like Twitter was more of a... a, So you can can tell Twitter, hey, you know, give me the stuff you think I'll be interested in first. But you can also turn that off. And with Twitter, Twitter is different than Facebook for me because you know you you're very you're very deliberate on who you follow on on twitter like facebook i have family members who you know friend me and what am i going to do not friend them back you know so of course i friend them and and that's where things get a little murky and i don't know i feel like twitter is very different than facebook with as far as you curating the list you want to see um yeah i don't know uh
0: give me one second because I can give you the the exact problem that we have.
1: Okay. Um, While you're looking that up, I, I do know that I mean like Google again. I know I know there's been this huge push pushback not only from the the extreme right or, or the right in general, but from a lot of content providers on complaining about how you know Google might be favoriting their content over, you know, some other content creators' uh, work and pushing their work down. And so I know there's been a lot of back and forth in this. And, you know, in this realm, it's meant to be very political. But I think I think YouTube have has bigger issues as far as the way they have to make a determination how they're handling streams and recommendations and things like that. Um, that seems to be a general kind of dialogue that's going all across the YouTube platform is, hey, you know, I I was making six figures a year. Now I'm making, you know, 10K because YouTube decided that they didn't want to promote my stuff anymore because, you know, it was in competition with their stuff or they didn't agree with what I was saying or this or that and the other thing.
0: So there's this thing called Section 230,
1: um, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you're bringing up Section 230. Yes. So I have no idea what that is.:
0: Section 230 provides protections for uh, websites that aggregate data instead of published data. Mm-hmm. And Google is protected under Section 230, where if they're linking to somebody's personal blog that has death threats on it, they're not responsible. Mm-hmm for the content of the blog. Mm -hmm. Whereas Twitter is a publishing platform, so they're responsible for the content of what's put onto their site. Mm. So Twitter, now this, this hasn't gone through a legal test yet as far as I know, but Twitter is in the situation where they have to police their own users because they can be held legally responsible for what the users do. So, when somebody is stoking the flames of hatred on Twitter, they have to do something about it. Hmm. Okay. And they're, st- they're, they're stuck in a weird situation right now where there are people who are prominent that are getting banned from Twitter, and getting deplatformed, like um, the Infowars guy, uh, Alex Jones. Mm. They're getting kicked off of Twitter, and they're throwing this huge First Amendment rights censorship thing in the air. You know, fully not understanding that the First Amendment does not apply to platforms not provided by companies. the government. <laughs> you know, right? right, right. So companies. they can they can suck it. But they're still throwing a giant <laughs> fit about it, and they're gonna be. It's gonna be a problem in the future when when these radicalized people are losing their voice online and blaming corporations for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're just stuck in a bad situation with the president who is continuously violating the terms of service, and then they can't ban him because the outcry would be enormous. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're trying to mitigate their responsibility in some way or another as to what he says and their responsibility to people who can read it. Um, and there was also a judicial ruling that the president could not block people on Twitter this week. Uh, yeah, that had, to, that had to be done in 2019.
1: That, that, that had to be said, huh?
0: Yep. Yeah, he was, he was banning people who were criticizing him, and uh, and judge came down with a ruling and said, you have to provide equal access to the president under the law, so you cannot ban people.
1: Well, and he's a little bit of a weird, weird scenario. Little I mean, bit. he's a weird bird just in general, but he, he also doesn't tweet under the president's official Twitter handle. He still tweets under his quote-unquote personal handle. Right. Which is weird.
0: Uh, I've seen that he does occasionally tweet through the presidential Handled, but I think that's all handled by somebody else. I don't, it doesn't appear to be his words most mm-hmm. of the time.
1: Because they make they, sense?
0: Yeah, they're chained together in a way that's reasonable and logical. <laughs>
1: um,
0: all it, right. there's, there's also the issue that, that his phone is not a, an official phone. That's one of the reasons he mm-hmm. can tweet is that
1: mm-hmm.
0: the Secret Service mandates a secure phone for the president but he refuses and uses his own private phone.
1: Hmm. I can't see what could go wrong there. I don't know. Oh, it would just be like somebody using their own private server for email. Well, he does what that could too. possibly be uh wrong with that?
0: Oh. Yeah, Jared and Ivanka both have private email servers as well.
1: Okay, we should probably we should probably get off of the uh off of the political. I I really hate this topic <laughs> <laughs> i can't say i disagree oh. oh my god so i i did i i think we had to talk about a little bit because of what was going on today but yeah that we this that could be an entire show this and we're not do you we're have bad, a lot are bad enough show? show i got a few things to talk about what about yourself i got a, i got a handful of stuff to look at all right anything good uh, a few I good things, a few uh, a few classic doom and gloom throwbacks. Well, we had a big doom and gloom this past week, right? Our, well, that first one's thing,
0: that one's all you. To, it doesn't affect me.
1: We we have to apologize. Why does it not affect you? I don't have a Mac. Oh, that's true. That's true. It is. It is just me. Um. So we we weren't on last week because it turned out that our show uh, happened to fall on. Our country's independence day, and we were out watching fire were you, were you out watching fireworks thomas uh,
0: i did catch i did catch some fireworks yeah it, there's no i didn't yeah. go to the big events that are around here
1: despite I'm not, a, not a huge firework guy myself um but yeah it it was good it was so it was July fourth, so we skipped last week and uh We're going to be skipping a week coming up. Not next week, but we'll probably skip the following week because I'll be in New York City. Laracon. Yeah. I'm going to miss you. Why don't you come out, man? Your your, your, your boss would have paid for it.
0: I'm going to PHP World. That's my trip this year.
1: Oh. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Well, all three of us will be together at PHP World.
0: Yeah, it'll be my opportunity to talk to John for the first time in God knows how many months.
1: Probably since Wave. Oh, since... (laughs) I see.
0: (laughs) Since since (laughs) Frisbee started back up again.
1: (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, I haven't seen him in weeks, so I don't... Alright, so uh so we're back on track for the next couple of weeks and then we're gonna we'll take another break and we will be back. Uh but yeah, as far as this week, the big doom and gloom thing that happened to us Mac users is um if you ever have used the meeting software of Zoom, Z O O M, um, you know, it's just like hangouts or go to meeting or any of those things. Except uh, this one had a little bit of a vulnerability to it. Uh, it turns out that um, if you installed the Zoom app on your Mac, that a malicious website could just turn on your webcam for you and record you. <laughs> and apparently Zoom you know, installed a little running server on your, on your Mac, probably without your knowledge. So it's that in the was terms fun. of service. Didn't you
0: read the terms of service?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I was clicking through to the meeting, I was late for. I was like, yes. yes I'm five, I'm five minutes late. Just let me in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a messy one. They they had a standard port. The service was always running, and if you pulled up a website that just uh, requested access, Zoom gave access, and. Boy, some of the details are bizarre. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? So because of how this service that was running on localhost, this was a web service that was running on localhost, because of how it communicated to other applications that were not running on localhost, mm-hmm. then the developers were running into some cores issues. Uh, cores is the cross-domain security uh, information sharing stuff. So in order to circumvent these cores issues, the web server generates an image, and the dimensions of the image represent the status codes of the web server. So a one one pixel by one pixel image meant successful connection. One pixel by two pixel was start download. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then six pixel by one pixel was a fail invalid domain error. So this was just a hack to deal with cross-origin resource sharing that they didn't properly understand, implemented poorly, and left every computer that the thing was installed on publicly open to being hacked.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Just bizarre <laughs> <laughs> just so so just weird
1: go, goes to show you yeah, as as quick as you go to install software nowadays i mean even still to this day it's you know bad software is bad software and you just never know never know when you're when you're exposing yourself much like me at the park that time i mean i just didn't know i didn't yeah. know so
0: what if it was a little breezy it was room temperature air there were new shorts, you know. I do not
1: know. Expose yourself. What do you got? Go- <laughs> what do you got going on? Well, Maybe something good.
0: Following up on the on the bad news train, if we're going to open with that, um, YouTube has started banning InfoSec videos. Mm. Uh, we were
1: talking about that a little earlier.
0: They have a new policy that states. Uh, Instructional hacking and phishing, uh, showing users how to bypass secure computer systems is banned. So the thriving community of InfoSec education stuff out there on YouTube is now toast. Hmm. That hurts. It is, it's, it's a real bummer. Hmm. I mean, if there's, if there's a vulnerability in software and the video comes out to let everybody know that this vulnerability exists and how to mitigate it and why, then you, you can't have it on YouTube. You're going to have to host it somewhere else, Vimeo or something.
1: Yeah, that Ultimately, that's what's going to happen. This is going to give birth to another video platform that, that's just going to take off, That that's going to get some legs to it. Because up until... Recently, I mean there's a couple of others out there, but nobody really holds a candle to YouTube. I mean YouTube is just this this monster that's just, you know, running over
0: everybody. Well, you know what people have been doing is petitioning Pornhub to run a safe for work domain.
1: Mm. Uh, well, well, I'm sorry. Well, first <laughs> off, let me this is like a throwback. Man, we have we have buttery crumpets in uh, Gishu back uh, back in Discord, which is awesome. Haven't seen those two in forever. All right, what what did you just say about Pornhub? People
0: have been petitioning Pornhub to launch a safe for work domain to compete directly with YouTube.
1: Wouldn't that be something? I mean, that would be you know you never know. I mean. That would be one of those stories where, like, ten years, twenty years, you're talking to your son, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, Pornhub used to be, uh, you know, adult videos. They used to be porn. That's what Pornhub stood for was porn." And your great grandson will be, "What are you talking about, Grandpa? You're, take your medication. You're weird." Uh... wouldn't it be? Wouldn't that just be as hysterical? As if this was the the events that like. You know how like words will get different meanings as as the as time goes on and if porn now starts to mean this sort of stuff like these edgy videos that YouTube won't won't allow you to won't host anymore like these hacker videos and you know that becomes that's what everybody's calling porn now it's like how how kooky would that be I'm I'm
0: all for it
1: Frontal, we got frontal, we got shutter here, frontal, everybody's here, everybody, nice blur, nice blur, thank you, you don't, you don't want to see what's back here anymore, we were trying to blur our face, but uh, it just wouldn't work, <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know, uh, that would be weird, man, I'd like to see something like that, you doing any coding? Uh, I haven't been
0: doing a whole lot lately. It's just been some sort of simple maintenance stuff. Um, But what I have been doing is playing with Docker.
1: Docker. I got a good Docker story for you, but I'm going to let you start because I I saw your ticket out there.
0: I got something from you. I got Lazy Docker. Mm
1: -hmm. Lazy Docker written in Go. It's a completely self-sustaining, executable Go application. Lazy Docker, yeah,
0: yeah, and it's a command line with mouse support, uh, full color support, and it just manages everything about your Docker stuff. It tells you your services, your containers, your images, gives you statuses on everything, uh, what volumes are loaded and unloaded by it, uh, and then you you even get these really nice statistics breakdowns yeah. for what your containers are doing and what your load on your containers is. I mean, it's just. It seems like it should be a built-in component of Docker. It's so nice.
1: So if, if – I, I know it's on the Mac. I don't know if it's on other platforms. But if you install the little Docker GUI thing on the Mac, one of the things that installs with it is called uh, Kite KiteMatic, I think is what it's called. And it's, it, was, it was kind of like a GUI to your Docker environment. This lazy Docker, in my opinion, blows that out of the water. I mean, it, it gives you so much more information. Um, it's nice. It's it's really nice. I keep it running usually in one of my one of my tabs. Uh, matter of fact, I can actually fire that up right now for you if you like. Let me for those for those watching on the stream. Um, let me see if I have a. Let me go ahead and get a. Let me uh. Let me get. Let me get my terminal up. Um, You you can cut all this out for the podcast listeners, but for the people on stream, let's give them something to look at. So I was actually doing some work here on Mission Control, which I keep meaning to stream more of, but I haven't done it yet. Um, So I was actually installing uh, Horizon because of some stuff we're doing. But one of the things I just did is uh, I also enabled um, Docker for Mission control. So I can fire up my Docker containers. And while that's happening, let's go ahead and open up another tab. While that's happening, we can... Uh, I am sharing this, right? Yeah, I'm streaming this one. We'll, uh, we'll fire up lazy Docker. Come on. See? All right, you know, Fireblaze the docker. And, And, uh, well, there's usually an interface here. So isn't that so typical? Um, I go to demo something and it doesn't work. What happened? Um, This is why we
0: need John. John's the demoer.
1: Hmm. Well, that's weird. Uh, yep. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's—I think it has to do with the fact that I'm streaming too. Like the—it's it, acting. My terminal is acting really weird. I'm typing stuff, and it's taking a very long time to respond. I mean, even my—even my Docker containers haven't come up yet. So, uh, they just crashed, anyways. Uh, yeah. Damn streaming will so always get us. Every time, man. Every time. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't demo. Obviously, it's not demoing for us. But um, yeah, Docker, the the lazy Docker is pretty cool when it runs. Uh, it's like you said, it's one of the only terminal apps I've ever seen that has mouse support. Like I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before.
0: I've seen plenty of terminal apps with mouse support. It's just, usually it's it's very specialized stuff. It, uh, I, I, I really mm. like it. I'm very
1: happy to have it. Yeah. So if you're into Docker, now are you a big Docker person?
0: No, you know, I'm going through all the documentation now. I'm learning as much as I can about it. Um, I want to get us switched over to Docker environments. I'm sick of dealing with 200-gigabyte VMs,
1: (laughs) you know? Yeah. uh, John and I did do... So so John still participates in the other podcasts, believe it or not. And uh, for PHP Architect Magazine, we did our PHP podcast this week. And if you subscribe to PHP Architect, you know about this. If you don't, you may want to because they they have some fantastic articles in there. But uh, this week they um, they did a article on DevilBox, and DevilBox is meant to be um, kind of this all in one solution for uh, Docker. Like you don't you don't really need to understand how to install and configure docker Devil Box kind of handles it for you and it really it it has some really nice features to it so if if um if you're a mac person and you're in the Laravel community and you've probably heard me talk a lot about valet cuz I'm a big valet person uh, I still use still to this day I use a lot of valet um, but the one of the cool things about valet is that once you push once you point valet to a directory it assumes every every directory within that directory is a website and so you don't have to go and configure anything when you start a new project you just do laravel new project name in that directory and then all of a sudden you have that website running on your on your local host and uh, that's always been one of the real nice features so it has it has this dns that it manages uh internally right. and devil, devil box is meant to do the same thing it's it ha, it's supposed to have this internal dns but i couldn't get that piece working for me but everything else worked really well including um the devil box also has a, it it spins up a little web interface to your Docker environment. So you can go in there and actually configure things within your, your Docker environment. Um, so in the nice thing about devil box, Valet is a Mac only solution, but devil box actually runs on any, it's just Docker. It runs on any platform. So windows, Linux, uh, Mac. Um, really cool. I actually ran, I, I, I was playing with this a little bit yesterday and uh, I, it's, it's one of these weird things where I know enough about Docker where this sort of solution irritates me. It, it, it's, it's like it gets in the way. It's like, okay, I don't need this, and this is bothering me, and I know how to configure this. So I don't know if I will personally use this, um, but I can definitely see somebody who doesn't understand Docker but knows enough to get it up and running wanting to use this because this this essentially becomes you, uh, your, your whole system for Docker. I mean, you can, you can customize what versions of PHP, what databases you have, whether or not you're using Redis. You can even use things that are NoSQL solutions, and you just you just get up and running. So, so if you've been struggling with getting Docker going, you, you might want to check out devilbox.org, and I will add that to the show notes as well. See, now I'm going to have to check that out. It's cool. It's really cool. And like I said, it's meant to be, I mean, it's essentially meant to be a whole system development environment. But see, I'm still, again, I know enough about Docker now where I like to tweak each one of my projects so that it represents, if, if it's not actually running on Docker in production, it's actually, it's representing all of those uh, versions of that software. So I have, we have many projects that the Docker configuration that's within the project is actually deployed in production. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah,
0: I, I want to do that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's a huge win when you can get to that stage. But even the ones that I don't have, like Mission Control, I, I just added Docker to it today. And the reason why is because, you know, Mission Control is running on the hardware... So I'm I'm customizing Docker so that it's mimicking the versions of the stuff that Mission Control is running on, so the other developers I have working on it can now have an easier development environment to get up and running. And then ideally, what we'll do is we'll make Docker run production for us. So I I was I was working on that today. That that's fun. Um, but yeah, Docker is definitely one of those game changers for me. Uh, I I had well I told you about having to fire up a virtual machine to install Windows and that's for the <laughs> yes. first time I've fired up a virtual machine in years. I couldn't even tell you the last time I've had to run a virtual machine between using Valet and now using Docker. I uh I just don't use virtual machines anymore.
0: I have a question for you.
1: Lay it on me, buddy, cuz I could use
0: questions. How much would you pay for Red Hat?
1: Uh, the clothing line or 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 the company or an individual? Are you talking about like an individual like plat, like box of software?
0: $60? You're way off.
1: Okay. <laughs> What's up? Well, how
0: much would I pay for it? IBM has closed its acquisition of Red Hat. $34 huh? $34 billion. Dollars.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold the phone. You're saying IBM
0: purchased Red Hat? IBM has purchased Red Hat. No crapper. When did this happen? Uh, this happened two days ago. It's the Microsoft largest
1: buying a bunch of-
0: largest software like a- acquisition
1: ever. Microsoft is buying Ubuntu I can I, I, I can tell you right now Microsoft is buying Ubuntu if, if IBM just bought Red Hat Microsoft is buying Ubuntu I wouldn't be they, surprised they have to be they have to be man that is that is insane I did not know about that yeah wow. that's a lot.
0: Uh, it is a ton of money uh, it The speculation is that IBM is trying to compete in the same markets as Amazon and Microsoft right now with their uh, shared hosting services like Azure and AWS. And Mm -hmm. their acquisition of Red Hat gives them all the flexibility they need for the management tools that are premium through Red Hat that are stacked on top of the open source uh, software. So, if you don't know what Red Hat's model is, uh, with things like, uh, was it Kubernetes? Huh? Is, is that a Red Hat?
1: No, no, no. No, 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 um, no. CentOS is the open source version.
0: Well, the way it works with Red Hat is that they have their open source software that they provide. But at the enterprise level or at the consumer level, they have closed-source uh, paid tool sets to help you manage these kinds of open-source uh, softwares. So this isn't just IBM buying open-source software. This is IBM buying a real, full-fledged, very, very large company. And
1: Yeah, well, and I could be wrong. It's been a very long time since I've I followed Red Hat closely. But, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the the Red Hat model, as, as you put it, is that uh, they sell everything they have. Even their open source software, everything they sell. Um, there's been open, free versions of the software that has that have forked off from their open source packages like centos the weird thing about it is so there used to be two there used to be fedora and centos fedora was kind of the open source packages for the desktop and centos was the open source packages for the server and what was weird or what made it unique is that when it happened Red Hat reached out to these projects and everybody was like, "Oh, Red Hat's going to shut them down. They they you know, how are they going to position this?" And Red Hat didn't. Red Hat basically said, "Hey guys, uh you know, you're you're packaging together our Red Hat software to distribute free and open source. That's that's great. It's free and open source software. We want to help you guys package it up correctly because you're missing some components here. And Red Hat actually started working with these projects to make sure that the projects stayed alive so that they could actually focus on their business model. So they no longer worried about supporting an open source community. They worried about their business model of Red Hat and their companies and then they would allow their employees to work with these projects to make sure that these projects stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and they've also acquired some projects like uh, Ansible. Um, right. When when Red Hat acquired Ansible, there was a lot of concern about what's going to happen to this open source project that's you're currently free for everyone. And Red Hat is maintaining Ansible as Ansible Engine, but they're selling a product called Ansible Tower. Uh, and right. Ansible Tower is a, a GUI with role-based access controls and scheduling, and it just drops right in to connect to Ansible. But that's their premium service.
1: Right.
0: So it's, it's a very mixed model. Uh, and I'm curious to see how IBM's influence changes things because it's not the big blue that it used to be
1: yeah and I think a lot of these companies are starting to learn, like you've seen it with Microsoft, and there are acquisitions of a lot of these open source companies of stay hands off like we're not we're not coming in here to change your model you guys you guys are doing something, and it seems to be working you know we're here to support you and then make some money off of it, yeah and hopefully i b m kind of follows that lead of. Yes, we're not going to come barging in here and switching everything around. Not like um, Oracle did with Sun and Java.
0: Ugh. Oracle <laughs> Oracle does with everything they touch.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that that sucked. <laughs> I re- I lived through that day, those days, man. I, oh my! But gosh. it runs
0: on five billion
1: devices. J- Java, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it does runs
1: okay if that's what you want to call it
0: <laughs> i want to i want to see this i i need to know more about this ticket you have on here which one web packet not working if it's monday <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah man how awesome is that uh, i got to open up the link i, I got to refresh my my memory of it oh wait where's the link oh there it is uh yeah, I saw this. I think this came in on Twitter or something, and uh, I saw that it was on Jeffrey Way's uh, repo for Laravel Mix, and uh, talking about um, you know Webpack having issues and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well you know that that's interesting. And it says, it, so it, so the whole thing says Webpack not working if it's Monday, and it says this error only happens if the day is Monday and the issue has been fixed at the latest version of Webpack. So apparently there was something written in Webpack that if you tried running it, try to do it like an NPM run watch on Monday, it would like crash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is the kookiest thing. This can't be real. We don't We don't have but-
0: enough trouble with dates as developers. <laughs> now it's... Just Mondays.
1: <laughs> it's just you know, it's like nobody likes Mondays. Apparently Webpack doesn't like Mondays more than most people don't like Mondays. So yeah, that was funny, man. I do enjoy I do enjoy a good laugh with uh with coding from time to time.
0: Yeah, I mean Although I'm looking gen- I'm looking at the code, the the offending code here, and it looks like it tries to update the A time it tries to on Mondays if you run watch it tries to update something tries to sync clocks with something and it has started failing (laughs) that is that is bad
1: so I I thought you were going I thought you were going to my other other story I thought that's what you were going to ask me about. That one's funny. So this is another developer story, man. So apparently the developer of uh, the AHL mobile app, uh, that's the uh, American Hockey League mobile app, I guess he wasn't getting paid or something. (laughs) That's what it seems like. (laughs) And and, uh, somebody threatened him, so this developer just decided to spam everybody who has the AHL app on their phone with notifications. And he, he spammed it with, uh, what did it say? Steward, Steward Zimmel threatened to uh, punch Lamb Bowman in the throat. <laughs> and he was just... And he just did it a bunch. And then it had another notification of, uh, Steward, since I have no way to contact you, you owe me nearly $6,000. I would ask you to, to contact me about payment. And it just kept notifying, notifying everybody. And the uh, the response for from AHL on how to fix it is, Uninstall this app! Uninstall this app! If you see this notification, uninstall the app.
0: <laughs> right, and their Twitter, their Twitter account said, "We are aware of the issue and are working to resolve it quickly." <laughs> I bet you are.
1: I Meaning, yeah, you know, they're, they're they're trying to get in touch with somebody in India who has the skill set of coding up a, uh, coding a mobile app so that they can take care of it because they, obviously, nobody there knows what they're doing.
0: Uh, yeah, I always, I mean, it's such a constant thing though of, of outsourced developers not getting paid or people saying mm-hmm. do it for exposure or stuff like that. It's just, Oh, Oh, e-
1: even, I mean, even when you're, when you're a sole developer, uh, a sole contractor, you get approached with that all the time. Or or the, the classic That's so dumb. I'm not ha- I'm not happy with your work, I'm not going to pay you for it. But as a company that we have, Diego Dev, you know, we're a small group. We we still get that. You know, people will come to us and like, Well, we can't pay you now, but this is gonna be you know, the next Facebook Uber Eats app and it's going to be awesome and you guys can have a percentage of it. It's like, no, we don't we don't work like that. Yeah. That's not an option. Call me when you get you know?
0: your when you get your round one funding from your VCs, then I'll listen.
1: Yeah, it, it just amazes me. To this day, there's so many people like that. I had I had uh, somebody I I actually respected very much who came to me as Diego Devon he, he knew we had started this company. We'd probably been in business for two or three years by this point. And uh, we're doing well. You know, we, we we weren't at the level we're at now, but we had like three or four developers, and we were slowly growing. And he um, came to me and says, Hey, you know, I, we have a small small little shop here, and we're, we want a website. If, if you guys want to do it, uh, you know, we can't really pay you, but we'll give you the exposure. You can put a little logo on our site saying it was developed by you. I'm like, gee, are, thanks. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't know it's like, are you are you serious, really? Twenty For bucks says I could I log much... into your
0: website and put it on there
1: myself. <laughs> no, so that that just never stops. That that is always happening, and and it's you just you just have to have kind of a cross the board, you know, stance. I mean, even. Even John and I had made some bad business decisions in which we we had agreed to break from our business model, which is you know the the main thing with our business model at Diego Dev is we don't do hourly uh, quoting, um, we don't do manpower quoting, we don't give you uh, we don't do quoting based on deliverable timelines or anything like that. What we do is we say okay, here's our retainer. You pay us that much money a month for however long you want and we'll just work for you. We'll be your developers, your IT people. So if you think a project's supposed to take four months, we'll give you an estimation of whether or not we think we can accomplish that in four months. I mean, you know, we, we're not saying we can, but we'll you know, we'll give you some reasonable ideas of what can be done and if you're not happy with it, you drop us. That's always kind of been our model and it works very well for us when when we get that model going, but occasionally we, we have people like, no, 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 I really want to do an hourly per developer or something along that lines. And we'll, we'll, you know, we, because we're trying to, you know, this really happened in the past when we were still trying to get our company established. So we would make these compromises and every time it would bite us in the butt, man, every damn time. Yeah. So we yeah. definitely stopped doing that. <clears throat>
0: I, I had an offer once to uh, to work for shares in my spare time, and I had mm-hmm. I had mentioned it to you guys, to you and John, and both of you uh, had just went, no, 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 don't do that.
1: <laughs>
0: we, we like the guy, but but don't do that.
1: <laughs> and then uh, and then that that guy went on to be a three millionaire and and uh, yeah, he has a private jet now. Sorry about that. Uh, I mean yeah. we really didn't, didn't 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 see it coming <laughs> didn't see that one coming no i have uh i have
0: some stuff for, uh, to close out the podcast with if you want to go through it with me a little bit
1: close out the po- are we are we there already? Wow, amazingly so enough weird. it's like without john here you you like you're ready to wrap up let's do it man this, this
0: the sound of snoring doesn't uh it, it doesn't slow time down the way it normally would <laughs> uh PHP74 are you excited? no I am so excited
1: lay it, lay it on me why 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 would you be so excited
0: So let's go the, the quick rundown of what's new um, spread operators being applied to arrays uh, it's ugly and makes things look confusing and I don't like it <laughs> I don't like it one bit nope don't like it Uh, Arrow functions. This is one that we talked about in the past. It has a local scope. It doesn't extend outside of its own scope. And it lets you quickly define functions to uh, execute things like array map. And it's super slick. I really like it. It's very much like JavaScript. Uh, So I dig that. Uh, Typed properties. Uh, You can type int, bool, float, string, array, object, iterable, self, parent, uh, class names, interface names. And you can make them optional with a question mark, so they support uh, nullable types. Mm -hmm. Uh, Null coalescing assignment. This is the same as the null coalescing operator, except that it will assign a default value to a variable if it is not already set, instead of just return a uh, value if not set. Uh, it's handy. What's the,
1: what's the difference?
0: Uh, with null coalescing, if I say uh, variable one, if I echo variable one and then null coalescing operator and then default, it will echo the word default. With the null coalescing assignment, it will assign the word default to the variable variable one.
1: Hmm, okay. I think I'm going to have to play with that to, to understand it. Uh, and so, so so is this a good example of it? Are you, are you looking at my screen? Is this a good example of what we're talking about here? Yeah. Okay. I, I love the Elvis operator. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, okay.
0: And then the one we talked about previously, which is uh, supporting underscores in numeric literals. Underscores in numeric literals, and you were not a fan of this, correct? I was not a fan of it, but after talking to you guys, it grew on me, so I'll deal with it.
1: <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm okay with it. I'm glad we were able to influence you.
0: It's pretty pretty universal in, in other languages to use underscores in this way. Uh, so, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it turns out it's like C Sharp, C++, Java, Python... They all support this this type of separation of characters. Cool. But, but that's not why I'm excited.
1: No, of course not.
0: I'm excited because preloading is now part of PHP seven four. Preloading.
1: Well, what's preloading?
0: Preloading is similar to opcache. Uh however with opcache, the relationship between objects, the relationship between things in the code, uh, aren't established. However, in preloading, those relationships are established and the interaction between everything uh, is much faster. It's, it's, it's almost like compiling. Uh, almost. Really? Um, the, the trick here with preloading is that you have to say which files are going to be preloaded. You have to write a script that is executed by the uh, FPM, and if those files change, FPM will not pick up on that automatically. It will a it will have to be restarted to pick up on file changes. Not a huge deal for me. Uh, my production stuff it restarts the web server when we do pushes, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't care about that. Um, the so, the say, thing so is, though,
1: say you want to preload a framework, Laravel, for example, your script will have to loop over all the PHP files in the vendor Laravel directory, include them one by one. Here's how you would link the script in your PHP INI. Oh, so is a PHP INI setting?
0: It is. So the PHP INI, you point it towards the script that picks the files that need to be pre-cached or preloaded and that script returns, you know, just an array of file names and those get preloaded by the opcache compiler.
1: Hmm.
0: Um this is a significant improvement in performance. Um some sample scripts are showing upwards of 13 to 16% impor- uh, improvement in performance.
1: 17 yeah.
0: But what I'm anxious about is the Composer community took this as their call to action. And so right now in development is a functionality for Composer to generate this preloading script. Because as one of the developers for Composer found, uh, preloading everything is not optimal if you find out what your quote-unquote hot classes are and just preload those, then you get significantly improved memory usage and performance.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, He found that in his test script, he got 16% improvements with hot classes and only 13% improvements when caching everything. And so this idea of identifying hot classes... Is being rolled into Composer so that you can just say Composer identify hot classes or Composer cache everything or whatever and the that, that would be, will be.
1: That would be like a uh, that would be would would that be something like the maintainer of a framework would do? Like they would know what what classes should, would be best.
0: This thread is. Extremely long, and I don't understand a large amount of what's being said in it. <laughs> um, they're talking about pointer value sizes and thresholds for memory, opcache memory limits, and it's it's a lot of stuff. So I don't understand it completely, which is why I'm glad that Composer's taking it over because I'd rather Composer handle things I don't understand.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what... That's why I'm asking. He's like, is this something I'm going to have to figure out? or Are maintainers of the projects going to figure this out for me? I and believe Composer
0: else, itself is going to figure it out for you.
1: Well, I mean, Composer wouldn't be able to know what hot classes there would be. I mean, there's no way for Composer to know that. No,
0: but it could tell... Uh, frequently linked libraries or frequently frequently mm, uh,
1: true referenced yeah. stuff. So
0: you could say, you know, my my classes that are referenced all over the place, as well as I mean, if it's Laravel, then cache your HTTP classes and stuff like that. You know, it's I'm sure there will be a little work that you will need to do, and that I highly doubt that uh, Taylor is going to drop in and set all the settings for us but i'm sure somebody will
1: yeah i mean somebody as long as something somebody could go into and and submit a pull request on you know that that would be ideal but yeah i i would love that i think that it, it amazes me how much php continues to improve like just when you think this is i mean this is awesome we you know from from five six to seven it's like these performance increases are incredible. It it won't get any better than this, and then it continues to get better and better and better. I really hope other developers don't figure this out. Like, uh, the developers who hate PHP, I really hope they don't figure this out and start to want to code in PHP, because I don't want to fight more developers for contracts.
0: I don't think you'll need to. There's still that one article out there that says that PHP's bad. They keep pointing at that one.
1: There you go. As long as that stays out there. Keep, keep, the, uh, keep the haters hating. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm, I'm sure, as Buttery Crumpets mentions here in Discord, I'm sure there will be alternatives to this. The Composer is just one way of doing this. But you could very much pull up a log file or Blackfire log and determine from there what your hot classes are and set optimal thresholds for everything. Um, because it's a script that you define yourself, you'll be able mm-hmm. to do pretty much anything you choose to do. Um, mm-hmm. You can write your own script to look through your log files and point them towards the right classes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just... Yep. I wish, the, I wish Laravel routes were better.
1: What what problem do you have with Laravel routes?
0: They're not the most parsable. It's, Laravel routes are one of the things that have had the most change in its documented usage. I still see people with a lot of routes that aren't named and that they use the route function to point to a URL endpoint instead of a route name
1: Mm.
0: or the, the uses method. Uh, it takes a string for the class name and the method name, and it's not the most parsable thing. Um, and if you're using route caching and you have a route that's got a, a function call instead of the array reference, then it doesn't properly cache it.
1: Hmm.
0: And more and more, I just I, I have lots uh, of complaints I, about al- routing in Laravel, but I don't I've have a, a solution.
1: Fan. Yeah, I've always been a fan of the routing. I, I've always liked it. So
0: it needs a PSR. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we burned through this show pretty quickly. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it's a good show.
1: I don't know if we had enough funny. Well, we had we had a, one funny thing you could uh, you could use when you edit the show. So yeah, pretty good, man. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there and call it a day. Um, for those still here, still listening, I'm still Eric Van Johnson.
0: I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.